cold shower and it'll help me feel better. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Infinity continues. Yes, it does. I was hoping that wasn't too loud, but welcome everybody. We are happy to have you back. It's been about two weeks since we've seen you. We had to take a little extra break there for some um, reasons, we'll just say. Yeah, personal reasons, you know. Personal living. reasons. People, hosts have lives too. Yes, they do. So yeah. we will get through the Star Wars for you, though, and see what we can do. Um, <laughs> Max, how's it going? It's going fabulously. I am back in the world. I had my first job interview today after sort of getting my shot over the weekend. So starting to look forward. My fiance and I are trying to get our hands on a house over the course of the summer. So big, big ambitions, um, big steps we have to take. And I am really encouraged by all of it because I feel like I have the energy and the self-confidence and the self-awareness to be able to make those things happen. So I'm feeling really good. You know, That's it's excellent. like, it, it's a brave new world out there and I'm really eager to dive back in. Yes. I love that. That's awesome. I am, uh, um, I feel somewhat similar as well too. Like I got my first vaccine vaccine shot yesterday. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And and the misspeaking isn't a side effect of the vaccine, in case anybody at home is concerned. He just has a hard time saying vaccine sometimes. Yes, I do, actually. I have a hard time saying lots of words a lot of times. Don't we all? I mean, we all make mistakes constantly. <laughs> like, language, talking is hard, man. Talking is hard. <laughs> it's a miracle we all say as much as we do without screwing up more. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And that, like, things can coherently actually be, like, processed from it, too. Yeah. It's amazing how difficult it is to to structure some of my thoughts into words. Just like, I just that's not what I meant. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not even close. Yeah, I'm excited. I got my first vaccine shot yesterday. Um, so I have to wait another three weeks to get my second, um, which I'm very excited about. I will have both mm -hmm. my shots before I do any sort of traveling, which is super nice. Um, and just like starting to participate in my life again, I guess, mm -hmm. is kind of my focus now in the next uh, few years. Years. That's months. really. <laughs> hey, it's, I mean, there, years too. Yeah, but there mainly is no it's just, shame in, in aiming big. There's just, I've been having so many things in the last several months that I've been wanting to do, but like just, I just explained it to my friend today as I felt like I was wanting to like turn right or turn left or just make some kind of exit off of the road that I was driving on, but I was like mm -hmm. driving through a tunnel. And like, I could <laughs> not see the end of the tunnel. I didn't know I was in a tunnel and I kept on trying to turn right. But each time I turned right, I would just get set back to the center lane yeah. and like, nope, this is your life. And this is how it's going to be. And that's just kind of like how I felt like for a very long time. Like I wanted to like make these changes. And I've been thinking for several months about a few specific changes in my life that I need to make. And I've been wanting to do it. And it's just never came to fruition. And I kind of had a catalyst over the weekends, which um, kicked me into gear to, like, reflect my life and be like, yes, we should probably do these things. Nice. And so Aaron is going to be a little bit more out into the world uh, again, which is exciting. And... Um, I may cut that because I don't want to talk about myself in third person, but we'll see how that goes. Um, I may <laughs> George, be going out. George is getting upset. George is getting upset. Oh, man. I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's, you know, like it's the perfect show for my life right now. It's so <laughs> weird. There's this person who just like has all like it's 
I don't know. It's it's essentially all of the cynical part of Seinfeld in one right. show. Right. Like that's right. what it is because it's all Larry David stuff. Um, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue that sounds exactly like Seinfeld dialogue. Um, it, it's just one of those things where like he just gets himself in situations and it just makes me happy. And like, I don't know. I'm loving the show right now, though. It just for some reason, it like reminds me of it gives me hope, I guess. Right yeah. now, it's an interesting thing because like I look at these like Larry David and his like significant other and just like they, sh- they like, how I why are they together? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's it just it gives me hope that people can like work on things together, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. A, if Larry a, David can make it work, anybody can make it and, work and, and be a team like that's <laughs> just like I've just been I felt such like on an island lately. So I'm excited to like get back on like teams with people so yeah that's my rant for the day and and me telling you how i feel without trying to get too far into it with everybody because uh this is about star wars not about start sometimes it's about sand you know how do you feel about sand sand gosh it's irritating and it's coarse and it's rough and it just gets everywhere man and it's like (laughs) i just want to get away from it yeah it's really, really the sort of thing that can get under your skin, you know, strongly enough and hard enough that you just sometimes want to go on a killing spree. Oh, my gosh. A killing spree. That happened in Revenge of the Sith. We are done with the sand. We will never have to deal with Anakin ever again. Well, we won't have to deal with Anakin except as a part of his legacy, but we do very much have to do with sand. The movie we're talking about tonight literally <laughs> starts in sand. <laughs> yes. Welcome I to the sorry. show again. This is it's coarse, it's rough, it's it gets everywhere, it's irritating. I don't know the the order anymore, but this is Star Wars, a sand story, a sand saga, a working title. I promise we'll be back to normal next week, a little bit easier. Each week we get to do these, we'll be a little bit more excited and a little bit more back to the way we used to be. And uh, tonight, though, we're doing The Force Awakens, a new beginning. Like, how great is that? That today is the day that we get to review this episode. Yeah. Um, and this movie, I'm very, very excited about this. And it does. It starts off in sand. And before it starts off in sand, though, you find out a few things about Luke. But before we get into all of these things, Max, just give me like maybe personal rankings of where this movie falls for you. Um, Absolutely. And, and then I'll do the same. And I just kind of want some general thoughts about it. And then we'll start getting into my questions like we like we usually do. So this movie for me is so close to A New Hope that they're almost on the same tier. Um, So far, my rankings are The Phantom Menace, The Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi, right? That's the order of my movie so far. And this movie is right there with A New Hope, um, but The New Hope edges it out just because it is the first, right? And so this this for me is going to be number four out of the six movies we've watched so far. Is that right? Yeah. Did I miss one? We've watched six movies. Yeah, because we've, we've finished the original trilogy and the prequel trilogies, and now we're into the sequel trilogies, and we'll... So oh, here's an update. We didn't talk about this last episode, and Max and I decided this after we uh, watched The Force Awakens. So we were originally going to do release order. So next would be Solo, and then Last Jedi, and then Rogue One. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Next would be Rogue One, and then Last Jedi, and then Solo, and then so on and so forth. Um, however, just by the way, the sequels, we're just going to do the whole sequel trilogy and then catch solo and rug one afterwards, because that just makes more sense to us. Yeah. You know, let's not stop in the middle of a trilogy to, to pause it and to watch a couple different things. Like, let's continue, especially 
um, because of how like short of a timetable this trilogy exists in, which is something that I want to get to eventually. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I have to adjust just a little bit. So um, I was just like out of, out of whack here. So obviously at the bottom of the list is revenge of the Sith. Yes, it is. Right. So this is num- the force awakens is now number four out of the seven movies we have watched so far. Oh, okay, cool. Right. Cool. So, so it's yes. Phantom Menace, empire strikes back, then a new hope. Then the Force Awakens, then Attack of the Clones, then Return of the Jedi, then Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I have to really think about where I like I like I, I like this one more than Revenge of the Sith, and I don't think I like this one more than Return of the Jedi. And so yeah. I think this is going to be uh, um, sixth in in our top seven right now for me. Ooh, so wow. personal mind goes Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Those are the four. The seven. The seven. Um I like it. it. Yeah, what are your general thoughts about the movie? The, like uh, let's let's do you want to get do you want to do that do you want to get in some questions what do you think you know, like, um i would like to just make a quick note about it because i i think i really appreciated it more than i did the last time and i think yeah. re-watching because i haven't seen it since it came out in theaters so it's been a long long time for me and i really enjoyed it a lot more than i did the last time and i think so much of that is because so much of what's happening in the world, so much of the way the movie is intended to be viewed is like a continuation of that story. And when I saw it in theaters, I hadn't, you know, I love Star Wars, but I don't like religiously watch it every year like I do Lord of the Rings, right? So I hadn't seen the other movies, especially in sort of continuous viewing like this, maybe ever. So this is like the first time I'm really seeing it where it belongs. And that has elevated the experience in my estimation by quite a bit yeah i i liked it a lot more than i remembered liking it yeah i i i think i'm on the side of um each time i watch this it's it doesn't go further down my list it's just i mean i like this movie quite a bit um actually that's the issue is we're starting like Placing this movie six on this list means it's still better than 95% of the movies that I like in the world. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, that's just how it goes. Um, but I think some of the questions that I had at the end of Return of the Jedi about. Um, oh, even the end of Revenge of the Sith that I think really pushes forward like some of the narrative. And I kind of want to get into it as far as like when we talked about Revenge of the Sith, we talked about how long did the galaxy kind of think take how long did it take them to figure out that the empire was bad and how many planets actually did figure that out and how many of them actually still wanted to be in it. Um, And this movie is incredibly similar in, in this area where there are probably still planets out there that wanted to have the empire. And it's like, I think we look at the end of return of the Jedi and we look at the destruction of the death star and the emperor and Vader and we're looking at that and say, oh, shoot, it's over. Like all the major players are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still like all they did was destroy that thing. Like the Empire had the reach of the entire galaxy. And so the fact that the First Order rose up and it's kind of like the same outfits and everything else and it's all very similar. I used to not really enjoy that that much, but I, I kind of get it now and, and I yeah. like it. Um, I, th- I think it's a thing that um, 
I mean, my first question on here for you is at what point did you realize this was a clone of A New Hope? No pun intended. The, the It was this land speeder scene. The okay. land speeder where she gets in and, and, and is immediately like out over the desert, like yeah in in with the heat shimmer happening and stuff and mm-hmm. the music is swelling and i was like oh there you are i see you yeah i think it wasn't until i saw star killer bass that it like hit me yeah but i was just yeah. like oh, wait a second this is the exact yeah. same movie that that a it was big circle planet killer in space what is this well like, i've never heard of this idea it is and so i really want to start there um because okay. i think this is a, a theme that's really similar throughout the new sequel trilogy is that it, it kind of is history repeating itself. And I love this and I also don't love this. So right. what are your thoughts um, initially just about like this story being very similar to A New Hope? That it's like it's it's difficult to say that it's not a carbon copy because it's there's so many beats that are very, very similar. I mean, they even go to Yavin 4 like they look alike, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, and so do you like it? Is it something that brings the movie down for you? Do you want more than that? Where, where are you at with that? I really like it. And I like it because they are they're walking in the footsteps of their predecessors, right? In, 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 a, in a very like metaphorical and literal way, right? So so you've got these these naive young upstarts who don't know what's going on, who get caught up in this galactic scale war and do what's right for them and, and follow their hearts and wind up annihilating an evil empire because they're following their hearts. And that's super fun to me. And I love that it starts off with a lot of the same motifs. You know, you've got the stormtroopers, you've got the sand planets, you've got the the desperate message that needs to be relayed or whatever inside a droid, right? Like all of that is very intentionally mm-hmm. cultivated. And so for me, it gives me warm fuzzies where it's like, like this could work. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like Han Solo almost when I say it, it's like, this could work. And, and <laughs> like, I'm really excited about it. You're not going to like it, but this could work. <laughs> yeah. And it's, That's- it's, it's fun for me because it it really does echo so much of the first movie, but it's 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 more than just like they go to same planets, right? It's they're doing the same things, where it's like they are they are these kids basically, not more than kids, you know, angsty teenagers or whatever, um, who get swept up in this stuff, and they're just doing the best they can to do what they think is right. How and do I think you think it's these really uh... compelling? How old do you think these these people are supposed to be like Finn and Ray and Kylo and all and like the main like because Poe Dameron is probably I'm thinking like around our age like he's because yeah. he, he's been in the military for a bit like he's been part of the rebellion because he's a commander at this point or a right. captain. Right. Um, I would imagine that they are between 18 and 20. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's been since you talked to someone who is between 18 and 20, but it tracks. Like yeah. a lot of the decision making, a lot of the priorities, a lot of the the yeah. sort of like sense of invincibility and also like the emotional um almost carelessness with which they 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 wield themselves at each other is is um very mm-hmm. naive. They're just kids, you know? And and I don't I don't think that works to their I thought the first time I watched through it, it was to their detriment. I thought it was just like, this is a bunch of whiny, angsty teenagers. I remember you telling me that. I I was like, this is obnoxious. This is stupid. 
Which is funny because I grew up watching Power Rangers. So the notion that like angsty teenagers can do good, it was like should have been closer to my heart. <laughs> I like it this time. And I like it because they're so intentional about setting up this passing of the torch, this generational passing of the torch that happens with every character's arc. So it happens with Finn halfway through with Han Solo. You know, when they're talking and, you know, right. he's saying, you know, hey, big deal. And he tells him, keep the gun. That's when he's like, you can do it. I believe in you. Right. Mm -hmm. And Han, Han, Han is not often altruistic. So the notion that he would make a call like that is is telling. Right. And so you've got Finn assuming that mantle. You've got Ray, you know, at the end of the movie, assuming the mantle of the mantle of a force wielder. Um, but she does it unintentionally. Like like someone someone starts using this is what's wild to me is that scene where he tries to like mind scan her like and and she just like not only resists him, but turns it back around and starts mind scanning him instead. And just the notion that she was so adept at understanding the force um, was really fun for me because it was like she didn't have a teacher. She didn't have an Obi-Wan. To, to kind of guide her and point her in the right direction, right? She didn't know any of the training exercises yet that she has to be doing, like with the little, you know, the little balls that at one point they actually like throw to the side. They pick it up and they look at it and they're yeah, like, what is this? Yeah. This is useless. And they throw it aside like it's junk. When I, and, and I think that's sort of telling of a lot of the imagery that you get in the machinery of the film, which is that this junk, right, this, this stuff, that is just out there in the desert, right? And it's very kind of obvious, but the stuff that you think isn't useful anymore or is only worth one quarter portion, right? Can also be the stuff that powers ships, can also be the stuff mm -hmm. that sends you screaming through the galaxy and can also be the stuff that, that gives you the tools you need to overthrow an empire. So I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm really, I'm really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I remember when I saw this the first time and after I uh, after I watched it, um, I thought a lot about whether I liked or not. It was the same. Like, is this something that I'm OK with? Like, did I want something different? Yeah. And, and the joy that I really found in it was thinking about the First Order side of it. Not necessarily like the protagonist side, but more of the antagonist. And I kind of just got a lot of joy out of them making the same mistakes over again. Like mm -hmm. it's just the hubris of like the fact that the empire is the way to go and like order. And this is how we have to do it. And like, they just didn't learn. Like they made the yeah. same mistakes and they like, they still like failed. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, I actually, we talked a little bit about this, about the, uh, uh, during the commentary, but, but I kind of actually really like the pace of the film. Um, I would like maybe to have seen it s slow down for a hot second um, in the third act, right? But like right when the third act kicks off, that would have been great for them. Like after they got done with Maz Takana, uh, Maz and her area um, mm -hmm. and they go back to the rebel base, it would have been great for them to like exist in the rebel base for just a little bit longer. Yes, like, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's like they come back and they're like, we're back. We did it. OK, what's the next plan? OK, that's the plan. We're leaving. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Right. But I Whoa. guess on the other side of it is it feels realistic. And that's kind of something that I love about movies a lot of times is it feels like 
this is going, this happened. We need to go destroy this. There is no time to save. Yeah. So let's go do it. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what the intention of Abrams was for, for that pacing or the editor, whoever was setting that up together. But, uh, it's one of those where it's 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 a weird thing because I kind of want there to be a little bit more time, but I also really like that they didn't take that time artificially for the audience. It yeah. was a this is what would happen. They would not just sit down and like have a nice card game and chat about something. No, they would like maybe they would overnight. Who knows? Maybe they're like, I don't know. But like I just feel like it's we need to go destroy that. Do you know how to do it? Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. OK, we got to go, go. Um, and I, that's really from the very beginning. It, it does. I don't think the pace is too fast, but it definitely keeps you going the whole time. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of moments. There are a few moments, but they don't, they don't quite impact me as much as the new hope moments did. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you said, there's no, there's no Obi-Wan for her until, until the second movie. And so like, where does she you know, like there's no like Luke and Obi-Wan sitting down in the hut and tattooing, talking about the force. And like, like, I think that it could have helped to have a few more like teachers there for her. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen her get taught a little bit more thing and not be such a natural at the force. Yeah. So well, I think it I think there's there is something there. And I think what's kind of fun for me about it is just that you haven't like they talked a lot about Anakin being, you know, sort of like a natural at it. But you didn't have a lot of like exposure to it really outside of like his pilot skills, mm-hmm. right? So to right. to to see that happening, to see to see someone like learning what the force is in real time and learning how to manipulate it was pretty cool to me. I yeah, really enjoyed I, it. I can actually really really I now that you kind of mentioned it that way, I hadn't really thought about it that way before. Where it's. <sighs> The force has always been something that like, I don't know, I, I've never really considered it just that like. Everybody who has had the force, we have either seen them. Be like immediately get introduced to a Jedi and like make that connection. So it doesn't seem odd that they have all these powers because Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are standing right next to you. Like we've mm-hmm. already seen this happen. Um, and then when Luke gets the force for the first time, he like spends the entire first movie kind of like believing in the force and trying to get to the point where he can like actually channel it more than just him making the right decisions in the right time and like having the feeling. Um, And I feel like with this one, you just get to see like immediately she's like talented with this. Um, And I had never really considered the force as a, like a trait as somebody who like a skill essentially, or like, you know, like she can become a good pilot. She knows how to like this really cool scene where they're flying in the desert with the, the Millennium Falcon and the TIE fighters. And she does that awesome move after she goes through the Death Star where she flattens out and and like lines up the shot for Finn perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's a Jedi move for sure. Yes. Right. Like that has to be a Jedi move. And Just an it, awareness it, of the presence of things and the movement and the excitement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I never really considered it like a Jedi move. I always just was like, how does she do that? But right. if you can kind of like throw it up and be like, well, she's a Jedi and she's apparently quite a talented one. That's probably something mm-hmm. that that you could do. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't really like I'm kind of I'm kind of into that now. Like, I know a lot of people call her like a Mary Sue. And yeah, I don't I don't see like I have more of those issues with the later films, but not so much this one. I think, honestly, this is a pretty great entry into the new trilogy. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, um, I I loved it. 
And I, I understand like the Mary Sue accusations and I, I do like, I get it. I think there's a lot of times where it's, it's, it's just dis it's disenchanting to have a character win without ever really having to try. Yes. Right. And they just like, they're just, uh, it turns out I'm good at everything. Looks like yeah. people better not stand against me. And I think what's really um, a missed opportunity in this film is that they don't spend as much time as they should reflecting on why she was waiting and reflecting on her just abyssal loneliness. Right. Cause yeah. she, she was on that planet. They show you like, they show her tracking like the number of days that she had been there and and Maz tells her, like, whatever you were waiting for back on that planet, it's gone. Right. And just like that, that moment is heart wrenching and also really powerful. But it's it's lost in the swell of the lightsaber realization. Right. right. And so not giving Ray her time to have that loss and to be sad before all the action kicks off and, you know, the final the final sequence really begins I think is a real detriment to her character. I think she had an opportunity to be engaged and to be meaningful and to be sad and to be human. Right. And they just didn't let her have it. And I think that's, that's part of why she feels like a Mary Sue. Cause yeah. Mary Sue's only feel, they feel forced because they feel like not fully fleshed out. Right. That's always the big thing. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Like in the New Hope, we get that moment where Luke goes back and sees his family like gone, and like mm-hmm. that's it. And you get this musically, t- like you get the music behind it, and like you get to see his face and his reaction, and and and, and really putting that, putting that, and man, J.B. Abrams, this is just what he does. Like uh, during, like I know during the commentary, I said if you start asking too many questions about a J.J. Abrams movie, it starts to fall apart. Um, but that's what we do here. So he, they just, they, I think it's an Abram style of making this mystery something out here that we can't quite see, but attaching mm-hmm. it to the emotional side of this person. But that, what that does is like it, doing exactly what you says. If we don't get to see eventually this thing over here, it, it's going to remove the emotion for the character and for the audience of like, well, why did this matter then? Or right, like exactly like why did you set it up this way if if this is going to be the case you know or yeah or and I don't really mean what she's waiting for I just mean that like I don't mind that she's waiting for something I would like to have been, had that like you said a little more fleshed out to have maybe like I would like to know what she's waiting for is she like waiting for her family is she like when we think that she is right that because we think that she got dropped but we don't really know why she like it's an interesting thing because I also like the mystery behind it. And I want to like unravel sure. that and kind of pull at it. Um, but we never got that real g- big, good answer here. Um, yeah. And, and it is that it is very much like the mystique that they're trying to create around Ray and her powers and stuff. But if you, if you make a character too mysterious that you make them un unempathetic. Right. right. And I think that's definitely what they had, what they mis- made the mistake of doing. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, but yeah, overall, I, I really do enjoy this film quite a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy the acting immensely. I really think mm-hmm. that Daisley Ridley and John Boyega do an amazing job. Yes. I think they have a lot of great chemistry and I really enjoy watching them together in their scenes. It was so fun. Yeah. And I think part of what was different for me about this viewing was just like the awareness that like the movie was going to happen. I think I was so 
insatiably excited about whatever was coming next the last time I watched it that I was like, I, I almost like didn't give it its just desserts. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't fully appreciating what I was watching because I was so hungry for whatever was going to happen next. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I feel that. I remember when I first watched this film, um, I, uh, was going to this dinky theater, um, on a Wednesday night, maybe even a Thursday night. And I was, was it maybe, I think it was a Wednesday night. It was really odd. Like it was a night that star Wars should not have been releasing. Right. <laughs> so we walk up there and it says star Wars, the force awakens. And we were going to go see Krampus. And I looked at my friend and I was just like, wait, should we just go watch Star Wars? Like, because like it's here and it's at seven o'clock and it starts in 10 minutes. And like I was completely I didn't had I was planning on seeing Star Wars the, the next day. I actually already had tickets the next day to go see it with my friends. And I was just like, I should I should maybe go watch this now, actually. And I watched it in one of these like it wasn't stadium CD. It was like flat like sitting on the like you know those old theaters that didn't have stadium like you'd actually sit on the ground um so you couldn't see all that well because we were all the way in the back and it was really poor quality and it was just a wonderful experience i loved it and i was like this is how i need to watch star wars from now on um it was it was great i i think i think john boyga does a fantastic job i love him in this i think the movie cannot be not fun like it's a fun film and i really like that like, regardless of all the issues I do have with it, I have a great time watching it every single time because it's just mm -hmm. fun. Like, the interactions are fun. The chemistry is really good between a lot of the characters. Um, I like Kylo Ren a lot and, like, where he's at as a character. I love towards the end when he's hitting himself. Just, like, his idea that he thinks that in order to become more powerful, he needs to feel more pain and dive more into the dark side that way. Like, I just think that's really interesting because... I, that's I, I think he's missing the beat a little bit there. It's not necessarily by diving into your pain. It's just about like grasping on to the like feelings that you like it just to let your emotions run through you instead of like controlling them like the Jedi tried to. And mm -hmm. he's trying to control his emotions by pumping them up, which makes him fail his mission. I love I, yeah. I, I that's one of my favorite parts about the film is when he's hitting himself. Yeah, because um, I, I just think it's awesome. It's and pretty so, brutal. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. I really liked the, the the just the one line in the middle where he looks at her and he says, don't be afraid. I feel it, too. Right. And just that, like, what does that mean? And the notion that they don't yes. tell you, they don't address it again and come back next time. Maybe you'll get some answers was so frustrating, but yeah. in all the right ways. It was exactly a J.J. Abrams thing to do. Right. I feel like mm -hmm. I was watching the early episodes of Lost again, where there was a major twist at the end. And I was like, what? Yes. And then yes. you never know what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I never really picked up on that until I had until this viewing when like you yeah. pointed that out. And I thought about that. And I was like, well, yeah, that's going to pay off sometime later. I hope. Yeah. You know? There's like, some really elegant foreshadowing that happens. There really movie. is. And the problem is that because of the way PR backlash happened later down the line, things change. And we'll talk about that. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. for now, just to say like. That that interaction is amazing. And I love the notion too. they say at some point like they're he's he's talking with the oh, what's Snoke? He's talking with Snoke and he's like, I still feel the light struggling to be free or something. Right. And it's like this notion that that in the same way, I love the juxtaposition that in the same way that. Good guys have to wrestle with their darkness 
that villains have to wrestle with their goodness mm-hmm. and that he has to constantly be waging this inner war against the voices of his parents and his loving upbringing. Right. I think that's so freaking neat. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's terrific. I love it. Um, I love it. You want to get in some questions? Yeah, let's definitely get into some questions, please. Um, excellent. Let's do that. Um, I have a few things here. Let's see if we can get into a couple of these and see which one makes the most sense first. Um, so yeah, new force powers. That's so cool. I want to just touch on that for a hot second because uh, uh, we haven't really seen. Did we? Was there ever really an evol- like a evolution of force powers during the sequel, like the or like the original trilogy? Like, I think we kind of like force lightning maybe at the Emperor at the very end. Kind but of, you know. But it's like Vader had already shown that you can like force choke, and like so Luke didn't really gain any new powers that we hadn't seen before because it was pretty much push pull choke lightning right that's and then like your instant like jedi reflexes and then you have the prequels which introduces force speed and force jump and you know gets into more like the force mind powers a few like some you know quite a bit more this one though straight off the bat you're just like this dude can stop a laser in the middle of the air a plasma bolt just floats there yeah and it's stuck and yeah. like so immediately you're just like, wow, like I love the fact that they just immediately give you this. This 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 is gonna be a little different, and we're gonna show you some force powers that are gonna be awesome. And like and, and then just stops paying attention to it. Yeah. As a testament to how powerful he is. Right. Right. That's the cool part for me, is like he stops yes. and it's like, whoa. And then he turns back to the guy and is like, so. And he just starts like giving him a hard time. It is so fun. Yeah, no, it's it's terrific. And like the whole time you're like, wait, is he just holding that there? Like, is that difficult for him? Like and then him like getting into Daisy Ridley's and Ray's mind and that kind of stuff. And I, I love I really love all the new force powers. And I think The Force Awakens does a great job with it. Yes. Of balancing out new powers and making them f- make make sense in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that I really enjoy about these films and especially as like starting out here is you just get this um, situation of like it doesn't feel hokey or like weird or unnatural to have these new force powers. Like sometimes you get introduced to new magic. And you're like, OK, you took it a little too far there. You know, like right. maybe we didn't need that. But I right. really enjoy this kind of stuff because they're using the force powers in their lightsaber fights now. And yeah, it's. It's wonderful. Um, speaking of that first scene, though, I, I would really like to get into some more like hypothetical questions and just understanding. We get introduced to this idea that Luke is just out there and missing and and gone. And I want to know, like, OK, how does this this character have this map? Why does this map even exist? Like if Luke doesn't want to be found, why does this piece? Why did he leave a map to himself? <laughs> yeah. And like. I guess I just is it like that's kind of the issue I have with a lot of these these like the the Abram films of these ones is like these MacGuffins that are in here that don't just if you ask one more question about it, it's just like, well, you're telling me that Luke doesn't really want to be found. But yet he gave us a map to like this guy or like maybe someplace else. And this guy finally caught onto the map. And how did the first door like how did the resistance know that this person had the map? Why are they looking Mm -hmm. for like. 
You know, it's just like I said, that's, that's kind of like, I guess, my issues with the Abrams movies of you just ask that additional question and then kind of just like, well, none of this really makes sense. Um, yeah, because it because it's cool and mystery. Yeah. I mean, that's right? what it is, though. Like and that's part of why Abrams movies are super fun is just because he does a great job of laying all these breadcrumbs out for you to like find really interesting and ask these questions and make these characters feel mysterious. But when you do ask the question, you're like, well, well, oh, well, that's the answer. Okay. I guess. Yeah. And I can totally see that for this film. And I'm already starting, like, I can't wait to watch the next two because I think it might have more, like once we learn a little bit more about Luke, like, we might know more about, um, about why he did what he did. Yeah. Because, I think Han mentions at one point to Leia, he says, you know, he felt responsible. Right. And, and so he hints that like, there's something that happened. That's something mm-hmm. that happened that mm-hmm. Luke felt like he had, he had disappointed people. Right. Which is, is a very natural component of being fed a savior complex. Right. Is this notion that's like, Oh, you, you were, you were going to bring balance to the force or whatever, save the universe, overthrow the bad guys. You do it. And then something bad happens. It's like if you're not used to failure, to 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 fail on such a galactic scale, right? right? right. With so much exposure, would just be devastating. Mm-hmm. And so I make I think it makes a lot of sense that he he vanishes. I'm curious to see why he did, yep. but I also believe that he didn't necessarily not want to be found. I think he wanted time. Yeah. And so I think in the same way that he eventually found Yoda, I think he knew that he, he would eventually need to be um, found to or oh be responsible gosh. for his own behaviors. Right. Yeah. That's so I it literally just hit me that like Luke's like missing in this movie is paralleled to like Obi-Wan and to Yoda mm-hmm. going missing at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like, yep. That's what this is. And I had never really thought about that. There's so many more similarities between these franchises or these trilogies than I thought there was. Yeah. Um, and it's all on purpose. Right. And it's it's the idea that like because like this, the mistakes of previous generations, right? Sins of the father. Right. was like this whole concept with Vader. It's like, is the child doomed to repeat, repeat their their father's their parents mistakes? Right. Are they more than their legacy? Right. And so Ray at this point is it has like is searching for her legacy because she she's been abandoned. Finn has defied his legacy because he was supposed to murder innocents and chose not to. Right. And so like you've got these people out here searching for their meaning and the people who found their meaning and are running away from it like Luke. And I think what's really exciting for me about the the map is the notion that he he didn't he didn't he 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 and R2 were like besties, right? Right. Like they absolutely were like in cahoots with this thing. So I think I think he put part of it in R2. I think he put the the large map in R2 as to where he would be, pulled out that one little sector that that would be harder to find for people and then gave it to someone. Right? And and I think this is kind of a testament to him is that he didn't necessarily have faith in himself. I think he had faith in the force. 
even even when he lost faith in himself. So I think he leaves it up to the force to bring these two disparate pieces of the puzzle together. Okay, and well I, that would I make think, sense why towards the end when Ray shows up, that uh, R two turns on. Like exactly, we, we get a, exactly. we get a force. The force, the force is telling like, okay, R two, it's time. Like, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, and it's but. not, and it, I, I'm. It's it's also like, I think I think Luke. I can imagine the conversation between Luke and R two where Luke goes, "I have to go away," and R two beeps sadly and says, "I know, I need I need to ask something very important of you," and R two's like like beeps happily and he's like it's going to be hard right and this notion that like you're gonna have to shut down for a long time mm-hmm. because i need you to protect this secret for me right i need you to be ready for the people who finally bring it back when, when did the map show up on on their planet did it show up with solo or did it show up with ray later I think it showed up with Solo, right? I'm just trying to figure out when the map was activated. Was it activated when Ray finally gets there? I think so, because I think BB-8 was there with the map before Ray was, right? Yes. Right? I think yes. so. Okay. So it was the idea that a, like... I'm, like, it would make sense that if the map... It's the piece of the map shows up that triggers R2 to turn on. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to figure out if it makes sense for when Ray shows up, that's what's triggering R2 to turn on. Like, I wouldn't it, be surprised if, is if it he turns Luke, on. Like, is it Luke telling R2 to turn on? Like, hey, it's time. Like, can he like mm-hmm. reach out by that far and like click him on, you know? That's like, a great question. I, I wonder, I wonder if R2 doesn't have some sort of dormant sensor going. Mm-hmm. to like recognize like or if Luke comes back or something I need to be ready right and so like when when a powerful force entity you know shows up and he, he, I think I think he thinks Ray is Luke I do too actually now I that think I'm when Ray shows it. up I think he says Luke is back and he pops on and then he comes out and he's like wait a minute you're not what oh there's a oh oh and then he like he helps put two and two together and I love that Ray is just immediately like let's go like yeah yeah. Good little, Finn is dead on a table for all we know. <laughs> it's been nice to know you, dude. I might be in love with you, but I have to go find this guy right now. Yeah. And yeah. I love, no, I he, love, I love that she, she friend just zones him at the end. slow down. It's, it's brutal, man, to get friends while in a, in while a coma. While in a coma? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, oh, I couldn't imagine Finn waking up from that. Um, so, gosh, man, I had something there. It's always falling away. R2, R2 waking up, the map. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about the map for a second because I think it's really curious. Do you do you think, because this is my in-world reasoning for why they can't figure out where Luke is from one piece of the map. It just, just feels like it blows my mind that you're like, we have traveled the galaxy and we mm-hmm. have like the Jedi Order had an entire archive of this like galaxy. How do we not know where these like planets are? You know, like, how can we not star map it? And my reasoning is that the Jedi Temple and the archives were destroyed. Yes. And so we don't have knowledge of a lot. Like, because the Empire doesn't want people to know where everything else is. Like, it's to their advantage to make sure that, like, planets don't know that there's this other planet 20, you know, million light years away that, like, they also 
are stuck with the empire. Like they don't need to know how big their grasp is. So I yeah, think that it, they destroyed the temple and that's it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I, I think knowledge is power in, in, in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think the less knowledge that they allow like outlying worlds to have the better. So for me, it makes total and complete sense that they, that they don't know. And I think like the fact, I, the fact of the matter is it's like, it's a needle. It's not just a needle in a haystack, right? It's a needle in a hay planet. Because you've yeah. got this tiny little cross section, but it's like it's like being asked to build a to like make sense of a five thousand piece puzzle when you've got like five pieces. Right. Like, oh no. Where, sure. where does that go? And it's like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's like that was my reasoning. Is like they have to have had the archives destroyed because they would be able to have gone and taken that piece and plugged it into the archives and been like, "Hey, where is this?" Yeah. And the archives would have spit out. This is like where it's at. Um, and so that's to me, that's the only good real world uh, experience that that. But yeah, I, I, I agree that because like the bigger map. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure out how the bigger map helps the smaller map, because you have to know what the bigger map looks like, too. You know, well, the like bigger map, the bigger map is a full map of a galaxy like you've got the entire like system there. Oh, and so okay. what it does is it zooms in and that big block missing says it's in this part of this system. And you look at that system and you're like, oh, that's the Crescent Nebula or whatever the heck. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then once you're there, you can find that exact planet because you've got the map now. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I it's like it's like having it's like having a map of friggin' like Springfield, Illinois, right? With no names or road names or anything. It's just a map of Springfield, Illinois, and you're like, well, this doesn't mean anything. And then you 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 get a map of, of Illinois US. with a oh, giant hole yeah, yeah. in the middle of it. And you plug that and you're like, now I know where I'm going. Yep. Nope. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, all right. All right. Let's go here. So let's talk about Finn for a second. Cause we, uh, the, and, he's oh, kind of, kind of a big deal. He kind of a big deal. Okay. Big deal. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I love that line so much more this time. I don't think I really appreciated that line for what it was at the time. And I gonna, adored it this time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. Um, so I want to talk about Finn's like moral character for a little bit because you brought this up and I had never thought about this before. But he is. So you see him down on the planet on Jakku and he looks at his fallen stormtrooper and like his friend, like and his 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 buddy. And and he. He mourns and he decides from that point on, he's moving away from the first order, like I got to get out of here. And then when he escapes the first order, as you pointed out, he just kills so many stormtroopers. And you're just like, okay, where are we at here with this, Finn? Like, you know, because you understand as a stormtrooper what they just went through. Yeah. Like, and you know that they're not just clones anymore, right? These are human yeah. beings that have just been conditioned. And so he knows what's wrong. He knows what's up. He decides that all this is broken. And then like murders like hundreds. And then murders and hundreds like hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, I, go ahead. I could see him come, leaving the first order and being like, "Well, if if it's that attitude of I figured it out, if you didn't figure it out, you must still be bad." Like, I just don't think he thought about it that much. I think he's just panicked. I think he's okay. scared yeah. and he's yeah. panicked and he's running like hell. And I think when you are that scared, you know, he knows what will happen if he gets caught. So I think he is just out. <laughs> he yeah. is out. And, you know, see it, the finish line sort of situation. So for me, it makes a lot of sense that he uh, does what he does. And I, I no longer feel like it is 
any sort of character flaw or negative reflection. Of yeah, him. I don't think it, as much either. I really I think you're right there. I, I, I like to believe it's it's him just we need to escape. And this is just how we got to do it. And it's yeah. his I mean, he's a soldier. So his like natural reaction when he is like a flash that's put in front of him is to shoot. Like he's mm. been conditioned to do that. It's not like that's just going to go away all of a sudden. Right. Um, and so when because like when you go into your very basic like flight or fight, no puns intended again, um, your like your instincts kick in and his instincts are 20 years of being a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I totally buy it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's it's actually all um, all, all that bad. Um, I think do you think the 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 first order is um, a representation or kind of not representation, but do you think it maybe mirrors a little bit if we're because this trilogy really speaks a lot to the original trilogy? It does. Yes. And I don't know how many connections there are to the prequel trilogy, but I feel like the First Order is very similar to um, maybe the Jedi Order in, in their idea that their way is absolutely the right way and this is how the galaxy has to work. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of the hubris of the First Order is really similar to the hubris of the Jedi Order. of yes. Just like we're at this point now where this is just how it has to be. And like, this is the way for the galaxy to move forward and we have the right way and we can't budge on this whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, well, we'll talk about that next movie when it becomes interesting. If, if it gets there, <laughs> um, I don't want to move too far ahead. There's just something interesting with Kylo that I want to, I want to go through. Yeah. Um, but, but before that, um, well, you kind of just agreed there. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. If you have more to say about that. No, say I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm just kind of talking out loud at, at this point with with that one. Um, do you like this idea that like Luke is a myth and the like the force is a myth? And like that's yeah. kind of, uh, you know, like, do you think that's 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 the the emperor or not even the emperor? The emperor's gone at the point at the end. So I guess I'm curious because I understand why the Jedi becomes kind of a mythical thing at the beginning of a new hope because the emperor, I believe with all the force power that he has is suppressing like the knowledge of the Jedi and their memories and like, and like just, they just go away. It has been 25 to 30 years after return of the Jedi. And we don't remember who the person who like, so do you think them saying Luke is a myth is them not believing Luke existed? um, Because they just thought like Luke is a character that, really was like the representation of what the rebellion did. Like maybe it wasn't Luke that destroyed the death star, but it was the rebellion. So we thought Luke Skywalker may just be a myth. I don't know. I'm just curious about the fact that like this kid saved the galaxy from the death star. And 20 years later, nobody remembers him. You know? I feel like yeah, I feel like it's a it speaks to the scale of the galaxy, and I think it speaks to the the unbelievability of of what happened. Mm-hmm. Like like you hear you hear that story like on an outer rim world, and you're like, no f-ing way, that's a good story. Like I'm glad I'm glad you know that, and I'm glad you know. Um, sorry, let me start over. I won't curse. You hear that world <laughs> on an outer limb on outer rim. <laughs> hear that story 
on an outer rim world and you say, get out of here. There's no way. Right. Like it's it's fun. Like if that's what you need to tell yourself to sleep at night and give yourself power to like go through your day, more power to you. But there's no way that's what really happened. I'm sure it was just a massive error or, you know, oversight or something like that. And to. But I think I think, too, like it, it speaks to the the skepticism and the disbelieving nature of human beings in 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 wanting to see good this notion that like like almost literal gods existed and they're like that's not real there's no way right there's no way mm-hmm. and 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 even even in like history you know after after things happen like people are so ready to think it didn't right there are people right there are holocaust deniers who exist right now and i don't i don't mean to make this like too mm-hmm. real i'm just right. saying like there are people who will factually who will deny historical fact because they've decided it isn't real. And so if that can be done with something on such a large scale, it makes total sense to me that something on a tiny scale like that that happened far away in the mm-hmm. heart of imperial power, right, would 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 be um, dampened. And obviously the empire would do everything it could to, to undermine the story too, because they don't want, you know, even after it happens, whatever vestiges of power they have left, they don't want anybody thinking they can just wander up and take some. That would that would be that would be uh, the the permanent destruction of their existence, like immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I decided now that that we're gonna change the name of the episodes to Aaron asks questions and Max explains plot holes. Um, in, in all the films, I'm, I will happily do that <laughs> forever. Because not I even think- this like. Not even plot holes, just like I do love. I think there's a I was thinking there when you're talking about it and I'm going to give you a little bit of praise. Um, so you'd be ready for it. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think there's like you have that storyteller's mind to be able to like look at that and say, OK, this makes a lot of sense because of this, this, this and this, yeah. you know, and I really appreciate that's what makes this good. And yeah, interesting. Well, it's just about following the logic chain from the perspective of the people from the perspective of each group. Right. Right. And and just like trying to step into the shoes of those individuals and be like, would would they really believe that? Mm-hmm. And you know, it just, I, I honestly think it's it's more attributable to my time in Dungeons and Dragons than it is to my to my reading. Okay. Just because okay. yeah. you have to you have to trust that like if you go up to a shopkeeper in the middle of nowhere and say, "Here's ten gold, give me all the secrets to where the good treasure is," he's going to be like, "Dude, like I've got some great cotton that just came in. If you're trying to weave some shirts, but yeah." I mean, I can give you that trader's name if you want, but that's all I know. <laughs> it's like it's you think you know the end because you've seen movies and then you realize that so many people in this universe are just people in this universe trying yeah. to exist. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, what do you think the significance of Kylo Ren worshiping the empty throne is? Like, I love that scene. Yeah, I want you to talk I about that more because I love I, that scene um, because I had never thought about it until watching this with you. And so, can you expand on that for us? Yeah. So this happens, I think, about halfway through. This is Kylo's second conversation with Snoke, where he goes to chat with him, and um, what's his name? The other, the commander. The other commander is like, "We're going to use the gun," and Snoke is like, "Okay, use the gun," and then he goes off to use the gun. And Kylo's like, I can still do this. And Snoke goes, bring me the girl, right? And then the holograph that he is vanishes. 
and you see Kylo. This is such a heartbreaking scene to me that I didn't even really register the first time I watched this. Kylo is all alone in this room. And there's just this giant emptiness in front of him that he's literally looking up to because he thinks because that 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 power, that promise of power, that promise of validation is so important to him because his 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 parents validate him, but they don't validate who he is or who he wants to be. They validate what they want him to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so when he finally finds someone who's like, you are powerful, you are good enough. I will show you how. Right. And he's just like desperate for that. Like most kids are like most young professionals even are just like eager for some mentor to take them under their wing and show them how to be awesome so that they can go out and, you know, make a name mm -hmm. for themselves and make a positive difference. So that for me was haunting when I saw Snoke vanish because I realized that, you know, leaders will come and go. And, you know, people will manipulate him for his power because obviously he's unbelievably powerful, right? This notion. But he's also still a child. And those temper tantrums of his show that, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's constantly like freaking out and just like tearing the building apart because he's still a kid, right? And so this notion that this kid is mistakenly pursuing his vindication in the wrong way and that it leaves him all alone was just really sad to me. Like it was a really empathetic moment for me when I saw Kylo all alone in that room. And, and, and like, even his colleagues don't like him, right? His, the, his fellow commander, like all the, all the people who work with him, they don't trust him. They don't appreciate him. We know he's like a Knight of Ren and commands them, but we haven't really seen a lot more than right. that. We just know that people just like tolerate him. So it is very much like he's, in, he is Vader again under the command of the empire where he's this wildly powerful being kept on such a tight leash that he can't do anything. With right. Him. Yeah. And, and that was, um, that is something that still, I think is, is really interesting. And I'm curious to see how that expands. Like as we learn more about Snoke and what his piece is in all this, I think that symbology will continue to be meaningful. Yeah. I think so too. I really, really enjoy um, that aspect of it. I, I, I like. I really like. I, when we first talked about this movie years ago, when it came out, and we were asking, you know, I think I was, I you know, I think I may have been out and visiting you when we were talking about it. Anyways, um, you you just called Kylo just an angsty teenager, and you were just like fed up with him. And I'm just like Max. I love it so much. Just like I love that he's just not mature enough to like. Like his like he has to take his pain out and like his frustration and how it mirrors Vader too. We're yeah. like, Anakin yeah. never really learned that either. Like, oh, you failed. OK, you're going to die. And like he's creating that fear underneath him. Like he I, do you think he's trying to mirror Vader? Like, do you think he knows enough about Vader that way? Like, I, I'm really curious to see how much Han and Leia taught them. Like, mm -hmm. And like how much Same. Luke taught him about Vader and Anakin and like, did they lie like Obi-Wan and Yoda did to Luke? Like, did they like, they, you know, and did Kylo find out later that this Darth Vader being was his dad or like his mm, grandpa? Interesting. Um, and maybe that's part of like why he makes that turn. Um, yeah, that's 
That's a really interesting thought. I, I, I'd love to get more. I wonder if there's a novelization or like comic book out there that kind of maybe explains a little more about how like I just like because he admires Vader. Like he looks up to him. He's like, I'm trying to be like you, you mm-hmm. know, and I do think that gets reflected when he takes all of his anger out on everything else except for himself. Like it's always like it's an interesting thing because like I think he also mirrors Anakin in a way where he's like, I, I feel like I have to be perfect and like I have to be everything I can be. And if it's not, it's, it's a failure, you know? Yeah. His, his awareness that like power is his only understanding of like validation. Mm-hmm. Basically. Right. right. Yeah. Which it's just really interesting. We should we should bracket that and come back to it in future films and see if that comes back at all. Deal. Um, uh, so the one thing though, that I really don't like, um, about this film, and it's always just kind of like weirded me out and like rubbed me the wrong way is, is when they destroy those planets with star color base, it just, it doesn't feel like it matters ever. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't know how they would make it matter because they showed them like getting destroyed. They showed the people on the planet. Like I see people, I know, like this is a bad thing. I right. think I think they do a poor job of explaining why this is so important. I do too. I think they gloss over it because they're trying to 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 underline the underwrite the sort of uh, urgency of the situation. But it speaks to this concept that exists. There's a there's a ridiculously gruesome um fantasy world out there built around this tabletop game called Warhammer 40k. And this this idea is that like the problem they've reached now is the scale of conflict has become so large that losses no longer feel meaningful. And there's a psychological word for it, and I don't know what it is, but there's a term that that humans have when we when the numbers get so big that we just can't like we can't we can't even it, we just kind of like detach. We like our eyes glaze over and we're just like it doesn't matter. And so I think that's that's part of the problem is that you you're talking about death about horror on such a scale they literally just like flicked their fingers and blew up an I know. entire like a an whole, entire like systems yes. like like it was entire, incredible i yeah. i couldn't believe it man i just looking at it, i was just like what did what like and the the, the was the, that Coruscant? Do, like is yeah. Coruscant gone like forever like that's to me such a huge deal and maybe that's my issue with some of this and why it's like sixth you know and not higher on my list it's just because there are these things where like and i don't feel like it ever connects back to the prequels all that much um i feel like this is the only like i don't know i just felt like i spent so much time on coruscant and that's where the senate like because that's what that's what um gosh what's his name donald gleason it's oh what's what's his uh What's what's his actual character name? It's I don't remember. I cannot remember what it is, and it's so frustrating. Oh, Hux, General Hux. That's it. H U X. So when General Hux is like talking, um, uh, the very uh like Nazi representation, right? When he's right. out there with all of the first order, even when they put their fists up, like I couldn't believe they did that in the film. Like really. Yeah. Like yeah, there's no, on, it's a little on the nose. It is like, there's really no reason to do that. Like you can just have them standing there and like use the red, white and black, but like, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> we get it. Um, do you think that's a, uh, 
a uh, like Indiana Jones callback because we know how much Abrams like loves Spielberg and like Probably. how much he dealt with that too. Huh. Probably. Probably. Um, I don't know. It just like when he was like, and we are finally getting rid of the Republic Senate and like what? Which is interesting because in the New Hope, by the way, in case you didn't catch it, there's a there's one line or two lines in New Hope that public that they talk about. Um, well, the Senate has finally been disbanded. So like the the empire has control of everything now, mm. and, and I think that's what this is supposed to do. And I think they really missed the mark on trying to explain that to somebody, because I think it's just like that's 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 what that speech was. That speech was the republic is over. We are the first order will be like part of the new galaxy, you know. And mm. it would have been really impactful if they would have been broadcasting that speech on Coruscant and then they blew them up. That's all you needed. Like all you needed is to know that this is being broadcasted across the whole galaxy mm-hmm. and then you're done. I feel like that's just like everybody now knows like this is the, like the weight of everything that just went down and like shoot. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would. Have yeah. Well, I talk about, you know, we talk a lot about moments, right. And about letting the moments happen. And I totally agree with you that I think the, that there are a lot of moments that deserve to happen that don't get allowed to happen. And there was one moment I totally blanking right now on which one it was, but there was a moment when we were watching the movie where there was just this, this like five or six second moment of silence. And it might've been when Han and Leia finally see each other. Again. Oh, that's such a good moment. Right? Yeah. And, and, and they don't rush it. They don't try to hurry through yeah. with snap quippy dialogue. They just let the two stand there and look at each other for like six seconds. And it's yeah. so meaningful like even just thinking about being those actors and being in those costumes again and being on that set again like uh i got choked up when i saw it last yeah. time and it's just it's it's stuff like that like it's not a lot of time we're not asking for a lot of time you know these little moments there's yes. usually five to five or six of them in a film right mm-hmm. and they don't need more than five or six seconds each but and often that's too much. Like three to five is usually enough. Yeah. But letting like, those three to five seconds yeah, happen. Seriously. When they need to. All I would have needed is like three seconds of showing like, okay, give me Coruscant, maybe Mandalore, maybe something like one other planet that we're like Naboo. Let's do Naboo. Because we know these places, right? I yeah. Yeah. I just, think I think if it was me, I would have done I think what I would have done, because you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time about film, I forget who said it. Um, my great film appreciator friend told it to me, but he said the greatest special effect is the human face changing its mind. Right. And so for me, if I, if I was going to depict it, I think I would have done the rebel base watching it happen. And I would have just let like all this hustle and like panic as they're running around trying to fix stuff as people stop one by one, what they're doing and the sort of ripple of awareness of what is happening goes out. Right. Because what they do is there's like shouts and cries and oh, my gosh, and what's happening. Yeah, and ah! yeah. and it's like it's like a Godzilla movie. And it's like, no, you're you, right. If you had instead, if you had instead just let these like these horrified people, these horrified like races of the galaxy, like each just stare up and watch and just show us the entire thing as that beam splits up and every single one of those planets is annihilated. And and then to like let it let it let just that echoing silence exist as like all these lives are, are snuffed out and you've got the rebels on the base who are just like mm-hmm. literally powerless yeah. and, and small in front of it. I think that, that would have been much more meaningful. That would have been great. I also would have wanted to have seen the uh 
General Hux's speech broadcasted on the base, like right before that happened. Mm. That would have been cool. You could combine those two together where like they're seeing Hux say this stuff and then they look up and like just silence and you just see the yeah. red across the sky, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been so. That would have been so powerful. Do you think the best action sequence of all time in Star Wars happens in this movie? And do you think it's when the uh, X wings come across the water when they're finding Maz? Because it I, was so good. <laughs> I, I'm, we, we're going to have to revisit it. I think next film. Um, but I think as as we def- as we've defined the best musical moment in Star Wars as being Duel of the Fates with Phantom of the Menace. Mm-hmm. I, I, this may be the best action sequence. That, it's that certainly have. one of the most hype moments in the entire series for me. Like, yeah, like it really is that whole that whole scene with Maz like is is long. Right. And there's a lot of character development happening and it's all feels very like dramatic and meaningful. And then you forget that, like the scale of battle is happening. And then the, the first order comes crashing in and there's all this fighting going on. And it really does feel desperate. And you forget in the wake of the destruction of the, Gal- the Galactic Republic, you forget that there are still rebels out there ready to fight. And, and when they come in low across the water, man, I, yeah. I like, I told, I just totally forgot. I was like, Oh crap. That's right. This is star Wars. And I was just like, <laughs> I was so excited. Oh, that's our new title. <laughs> I was so excited. And, and I continue to feel that way as you can probably hear in my voice. Oh yeah. It, it I remember. Really I remember watching that. I'm not watching that scene, but I remember talking to you about that scene after you watched that for the first time. And you were like, that's the best whole, like this is the whole best thing I've ever seen in star Wars. I think, I think this may be my favorite thing in star Wars I've ever seen. So good. And you're right. It's just so good. I love that, that part of it. Um, Yeah. It's terrific. C3PO just popped up on my screen a little bit, man, (laughs) his, I love him so much. They did such, such a good job in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like how they they kept C three PO and R two D here, but like, okay, BB 8s now like them, like this right. is now the droid, and I, I I appreciate that further passing of the torch, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is Star Wars for a new generation. Yeah, for sure. All right, we already talked about that. Do you like the frantic pace of the film? Does it feel rushed? How does so? Let's talk about Ray for a second and her a little like we did a little bit earlier. And so we don't have to talk about this much, but but really. Where like, how is she picking up on like, do you think because Kylo is trying to read her mind, she's like picking up on what he's trying to do and she can like. Throw it right back at him. Do you think we haven't figured out why she's so easily able to like jump into Kylo's mind yet? Like. So we don't know fully why, and it has something to do with how he says, I feel it too, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it also has to do with her growing awareness of the force. We see this all throughout the movie is like mm-hmm. her increasing awareness mm-hmm. of this thing that exists and that she feels it. And so like he comes in and tries to do this with her. And I think what it is, is it's a lot like a caveman seeing a gun where you see it and you're like, what is that? And then you, the caveman watches someone come in, pick up the gun, pull the trigger, and it makes a boom and someone falls over dead. And the caveman goes, aha, I got it. And then caveman picks up gun and can then go bang, right? Because it's like, yeah. I, it's literally monkey see, monkey do. I think so. This is just on a more substantive level, right? And so he comes in and puts like these like, like force, like almost like torture 
devices on the sides of her forehead, right? And so she like feels them there, knows they're there. And so she's like, well, what if I just take them off and put them on you instead? Right. And he just, he can't even imagine that she can see them, mm-hmm. let alone know how to manipulate them. So that I love, I love the shock and horror that just takes over him when he yeah. realizes what yeah. she's doing. Cause they don't really talk about it. They don't really. And that's another thing I really like about that. I really scene like that the, too. Yes. The yes. lack of dialogue and yes. the fact that you just watch these two characters go through this mental duel with each other without saying much. And it's so cool. I yeah. love yeah. it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of just saying, like, I'm a huge fan of show, don't tell. I mm-hmm. would so much rather watch people express their emotions and, like, I get what they're doing rather than, like, telling him, like, I, I mentioned that at the very beginning of the movie when he was talking about his family, you know, mm-hmm. like, they missed a huge opportunity there just to say, Kylo, remember where you're from? You used to be called so like, you know, it's just like, no, don't tell me that. Like, yeah. just just let me like let me let me find out later in the film. Like, like, you know, I, that's kind of just also back to the things of of just little pieces that I would just twist just over so slightly that would just throw this form. It's very similar to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, you know, like. They just you're already doing this. Just twist it a little bit and I'm 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 all in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We talked about that as well. We talked about that as well. I don't know how much more we have to talk about. Let's let's okay, so let's now let's do what we have to do every single review and start in the third act. Because normally what happens when I'm watching these movies is I get so into it by the third act, I stop writing down questions. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have any questions when they're on Star Killer Base. <laughs> and so <laughs> let's, uh, but I, we talked about the rest of it. Is, um, do you like when Kylo equates pain to the to being more powerful? We discussed that. Yeah. So is it because they lost the Jedi archives that they can't just use a portion of the map? We talked about that. Yeah, I think so. the the whole The whole sequence in Circular Base for me is a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it's it brings the best joke of the entire series. That's not how it. the Force works. I love that joke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use the Force. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? What do we think? Idiot. Finn is. Do we think Finn is Force sensitive in this film? One hundred percent, and okay. I think. I think that is indicated by his um, ability to. I think I think Maz picks up on it. I think Maz is the one who sees that he has it, and she sees when she looks at him and she sees the the fear in his eyes. She isn't just looking at fear. She sees she sees force sensitivity, and she sees someone who knows knows a little bit more about the feel of everything. I think yeah, he might even know himself. Is Maz force sensitive? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Wait, is 100%. She... There's a reason she was entrusted with the lightsaber, right? Oh my gosh, it yes. It didn't just fall into her lap, right? No, like, of course pe- not. People knew that she could be trusted with it and that she could be trusted to also discover someone fit to wield it. And while she knew that like Ray was the one who needed to wield it, she also knew how close she and Finn were. She saw it, right? She saw basically the way they cared for each other. And so she said hold on to this until she's ready to take it up right because obviously she's going to need it are we okay we'll talk about that later yeah no we can talk about that now we can talk about it now 
do we think that Finn's representation and as him like being force sensitive, but nobody ever acknowledging it or talking about it or like really bringing it to the forefront at all is a representation of like mirroring Leia in original trilogy where she's force sensitive the whole time, but we just didn't ever know it at all until mm-hmm. until Yoda says it in the Empire. I, I could see that. I could, too. Yeah, and I think I think it's a precedent thing as well, where it sets the stage for an awareness that there are individuals out there who are not, who will not be Jedi, but who are more sympathetic to the vibrations of the galaxy right. Right. than others would be. And I think I think that that it's it just it's meant to continue it, so it doesn't feel like a a, a hand wavy thing in the originals, and also so that if they need to rely on it again in the future, they can. Right. It's just like a nice little detail about the universe that helps flush it out a little bit more. And I think for him. I think it's a lot because I think the way they portray it in this film, especially when they say the force awakens, right, there has been an awakening. Right. This is not something this is not this is not something that you just learn and then you have it right. This is almost like a dormant power. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. there's something this is very similar in concept to um, in the game Magic the Gathering, right? The card game. The lore is that you are planeswalkers can walk between the planes, between all the worlds and the universes and stuff. But that planeswalkers have a spark that that ignites through either terrible triumph or tragedy, right? And so some formative experience awakens them to this latent power that existed within them and empowers them to be able to do stuff. And then some worlds. Planeswalkers live and die without that spark ever igniting because they don't experience that that level of like emotioned height, uh, heightened emotion. Excuse me. So similarly here, I think that the the trauma of of you know fleeing the M, the first order in that first sequence is what kicks off her spark basically and and ignites the force in her so that she can make that barrel roll move mm-hmm. so that she can make those turns in that ship. So that she can um, fight with Kylo and 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 win, right? Um, mentally by using the Force, so that she can just like hand wave Daniel Craig away. The notion yeah. that she can just like say leave, and he he's laughs. He's like, "That's that's embarrassing. What are you doing?" And then she tries it again. And he's like, "Oh, okay, I will." Right? There's this notion that like she has access to this toolkit now that she didn't before. Is I think really the same for Force sensitivity. I think it's the same thing where it's like you it's a it's a dormant power and and something awakens it. And I think the horrors that Finn experienced on that planet trying to retrieve the map are what kicked his off, which is, I think, a big part of why he leaves. I would yeah. argue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? And this will be what we wrap up with and then we'll uh, do our rankings. We'll get out of here. What are your specific thoughts on the final sequence between Han Solo and Kylo Ren? Speaking about formative moments of uh, of people's paths, like I think I think this all ties back into that concept we were talking about about the sins of the fathers and like the 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 notion that children are burdened by their parents' lives. I think Kylo wanted his own life and I think Kylo wanted to be something independent of everything that his parents expected of him. And I think they never really gave him a chance. Yeah. And I think, so when he says, I have to do something, I don't know if I have the strength, will you help me? And his father 
you know, it's kind of like the monkey's paw, right? It's like, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. But he says like, will you help me? And Han says, yes, anything. And, and I believe he means that. So I think when Han dies, he, he is at peace because he knows that there is still light in him and he knows yeah. that there is still good. And he knows that, that, that by, that he, you know, by being there for him up till the very last minute, he still has shown him that, 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 that light doesn't have to ever go out, that you don't yeah. ever have to lose hope. Right. And so for me, um, it's also symbolic of the way that, you know, children have to, in a way, you know, when you leave, leave home and when you, when you become an adult, you face all of these realizations that your parents aren't perfect. Right. For some of us, it happens when you're a teenager. For some of us, it happens later, but there's just this notion that like, these are not gods, right? These are not even demigods. These are humans with flaws Mm -hmm. and foibles and mistakes and toxic patterns of behavior like we all have. Right. And so I think at some point in the course of our lives, every one of us on a, on a deep psychological level has to kill our parents too, because they can no longer be these godlike figures that are there to rescue us from every situation. We have to find our own way through things. And that to me is, is basically what Kylo does where he says, I am not going to be ruled by you anymore. I am not going to be defined by your name. I am going to forge my own path. Yeah. I agree with you. Everything. That was wonderfully said. Thank you. That was great. You want to rank some stuff? Yes, absolutely. I like ranking things. Me too. Yeah. After we're going to rank so much stuff after these episodes, I have so many things that we're going to rank. Um, podcast topics. No, 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 no. Star Wars rankings. Ah, yes. Let's do it. Okay, let's start with the opening crawl. Not my favorite. I think it's very simple. And uh, yes. uh and not that it's bad. I don't think it's yeah. bad. I think it I think it sets things up. I think it returns to kind of a new hope. I think you it's know? elegant. Yeah, it's elegant. It's yeah. the little black dress of opening crawls. Yeah. So he, here are our opening crawls right now. Revenge of the Sith is number one. Empire Strikes Back is two. A New Hope is three. Attack of the Clones is four. Phantom Menace is five. Return of the Jedi is six. Um, List it off for me one more time. Yeah. So, so Revenge of the Sith, number one. Empire Strikes Back 2, A New Hope 3, Attack of the Clones 4, Phantom Menace 5, and Return of the Jedi is 6. I would put it between 4 and 5, I think. Yeah, like between Attack and Phantom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, actually. Attack of the Clones is really good. Attack of the Clones is really good, but both Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace are very complicated compared to this one, so I like yes. throwing this right here. Um for the same reason for me that it's right behind New Hope in terms of like the it's the it's film very itself. yeah yeah it's very similar but just not not the same because it's not the first time we've seen something right like it. right okay we got two lightsaber fights here with uh, Finn and then again with Finn and Ray and Kylo um, I like these lightsaber fights. What are you shaking your head for? What are you doing? What are you doing over there? I'm shaking my head about the lightsaber fight with Finn and the stormtrooper with the arm. Oh, it's great. It's great. I love that fight. That is, it's fun. It is absolutely fun. That is the most cumbersome and unrealistic weapon I've ever seen in anything. Oh, yeah. 
anything. And I watched Power Rangers growing up. Like that weapon is ridiculously unreasonable. <laughs> but it's it's neat. It's neat. It it absolutely passes the rule of cool. So I will allow it. <laughs> um, here are our lightsabers fights. How do we have a new hope last? I don't I don't know. Um Phantom Because Menace. it's not it's because it's just like it's it's clunky and also I think like at this point it, it's just it's not that New Hope is bad right and it's like you said earlier it's not that New Hope is bad it's just that everything else is so good yeah oh yeah so so good yeah the New Hope sites of a fight is about is about Luke and not about the fight you know mm-hmm. and so um, we have Phantom Menace Return of the Jedi Empire Strikes Back Revenge of the Sith Attack of the Clones and a new I, I mean honestly I'd probably put this one. <sighs> I'd probably go, f- ooh, man, fourth behind Empire Strikes Back and above Revenge of the Sith. See, you like Empire's lightsaber fight a lot more than I do. So I for know. me, for me, it would be below that. Like I would switch that. So it would be number three, probably. But, okay. Number three. Yeah. Okay. Just because I think it's so. First of all, you've got a non-Jedi wielding a lightsaber. Well, here's the issue: is I feel like unprecedented. I feel like the actual fighting is better in this movie. Like, and yeah. the like, I just like the emotional weight of that scene. It's but brutal. we didn't. We didn't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just, I just remembered. Sorry, finish your sentence. Oh, I was just gonna say we're not really taking into account the emotional like gravity of a New Hope into this fight. So, if we're on factor of cool, this one wins. Sure. I, I just remembered that Ray's only attack is 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 thrust. So it is this thrust. can this can go down below Empire. That okay. that by itself knocked it down. <laughs> it's so cool and so fun. And then her only thing is like stab, stab, yeah, stab. That's stab. the thing about this and she movie. She does it is... like ten times. I'm like, what are you doing? Who was their fight choreographer? Because they <laughs> were sleeping on the job. Um. Yeah, or we have no idea how fighting works, and maybe that's like a quarterstaff thing to do. And uh, uh, she's just. But we watched her wield a quarterstaff, and not once did she. Oh yeah, she just stab anything. Yeah, and she like trip people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just trying to be a comedy. Not, I mean, it's still fourth. So um, <laughs> because honestly, the moment where Kylo's looking at the saber and he pulls it to him and it's not coming and then flies past him and go, that's a cool moment. Like mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Um, and so, and I think Finn was in the fight saber, lightsaber. So I'm the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Light saber fights, the Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, The Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, A New Hope. Those is what we have. All right. So our movies so far are Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi. And then all the way at the bottom is Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. We well, are, the we Revenge are. of the Sith isn't going anywhere. And I don't. I don't think anybody's going to argue about that. Um, yes. So, so where shall we put this one? This is going to be fun because we're going to have we to had, split the difference a little bit. I think we are because we have very different opinions about where this placed on our personal rankings. Yeah, this is like number six out of the seven for you, right? Right. And this is number four out of the seven for me. So why not just split the difference? Why not just plop it in at five? Five. Okay. Okay. I'll acknowledge that it's probably not as good as I think it is. And you can acknowledge it's that it's probably not as bad as I think it is either. Yeah. 
these rankings doing it this way are really messing me up because you get like hype moments at the end of the movie and you're like, all right, this goes here. And then you're thinking about like, wait, if this is better than this one and this one I think is worse than this one, how is that going to work out actually? Because now it's not supposed to work that way. And that's kind of where The Force Awakens is at right now because I'm like, well, it's not as good as Return of the Jedi, but I kind of like it more than Attack of the Clones, but I like Attack of the Clones more than I like Return of the Jedi. Like, (laughs) so I think it's it's where it should be. Attack it's like the that clones. meme of that blonde woman's face with like the math graphs going across yeah, her face. It is. That's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. So in our movies, we have Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi. Those are our top six. The seventh is the bottom of the list. Revenge of the Sith. And that's it. We're done. We're not watching any more Star Wars, so we'll see you later. That's it. The show's over. Infinity <laughs> continues. Um, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Max, any final words? Do you want to have people find you places? I do. I am Max Baron Reed at all this stuff. I'm Max Baron Reed at YouTube, and I'm I think I'm the Max Baron actually on Instagram. Uh, Max Baron Reed on Twitter. Come say hi if you'd like. I'm always happy to hear from anybody. Yep. Um, I am Damped Mango pretty much everywhere. D-A-M-P-3-D Mango. And um, we are Infinite Pulp. You can email us at podcast at infinitepulp.com. Send us your lines and we'll respond. Maybe send you something nice. Some email of the week. Anyways, we uh, will have a very special episode for you in about six months. But right now, this is Star Wars. So we're doing The Last Jedi next. We'll see you next week and have a great time. Good night, everybody. Good night.